All right. The last seven weeks was uh, we worked on for the Bible study exercise. We worked on the Gospel of John. Uh, there were some other things we were going to do in the Gospel of John, but we basically ran out of time. So I may have to try to work some of those in somewhere else or add them somewhere else. But today begins the next seven week study. And the next seven week study is on, you could say the word, but it's not really on the word. It's on the concept. It's on the idea of temptation. So um, what we're going to do is, obviously there's been a million books written on this subject. I can't even count how many. I mean, probably you just go to, say, the Sermons 2.0 app or the Edify Christian Podcast app and look up how many sermons there are on the subject. You probably would find... Oh, who knows? I don't even know. I, I'll have to do a, do a search just to see. It'll be, it'll be in the thousands upon thousands upon thousands. This is a common subject preached in, in Christianity. Um, and I think, so I always try to take a different approach than what everyone else takes, because if there's already you know 20,000 sermons available by doing one search online, then, I mean... You know what I'm saying? I mean, what am I going to, if, if I'm just going to say what everyone else already says, there's no real point in you even being here, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're already, they're everywhere else. So we're going to try to approach this subject in a way that maybe will be more beneficial. I think when it comes to the subject, it's very telling that there's so many sermons on it for a couple of reasons. One, because there's so many sermons on it and so many books on the subject, it tells us a couple of things. I think the first thing it tells us is over and over again, Christianity emphasizes more than anything else, right living. Do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. You need to do more of this. You need to do less of this. And Christianity is very much a law-based concept. And basically, I mean, I think it's to be fair, most people perceive Christianity as nothing more than a moral system. Even though we try to claim, no, it's about worshiping God, all of that becomes secondary to all the preaching and all the teaching is on do something, do something, do something. Don't do this. Don't do this. You can't do this. Stop doing this. You need to avoid this. You need to take 15 steps to ensure that you never do this. And if you do this, you need to do it. It's just all about how to live. And one could argue or one could at least ask the question or put forth the question. Is that the right emphasis? Should Christianity be all about this right living? But the point is, the emphasis on temptation proves whether right or whether wrong, Christianity has become basically a, a moralistic system about right living. And that's what's emphasized in preaching and teaching. And I understand from a teaching point, if you're over here trying to navigate the waters of some deep theological concept, you can almost look at that you lose your audience within seconds. They're just like, eh, whatever. They've already tuned out, right? Just... Go listen to the, well, you can't listen to the last hour because I deleted it. But if you listen to the last hour, you can see it didn't really go so well. But if I get, if I come here with a very simple, straightforward point, like, hey, you know, you need to love God more. And here are the three ways you show that you don't love God. That's very simple, very straightforward, very practical. People may even write those notes down, right? And there's a good chance they may even remember it. And there's a good chance when they leave, they'll be like, that was very convicting and I'm going to try harder. And so that's the way it's supposed to work, right? 
That, because that's what, and so I understand why preachers do it. It's the easiest thing to go to, right? Give you three steps on what you're supposed to do. And then I can, I can make you feel bad for not doing it. And then if you do an altar call, you have a good chance of what? Getting people to come to the altar. So then everyone thinks, man, church is a success. You know, revival has broken out. But all you really done is emphasize, do this, do that, don't do this. So I think that the emphasis on temptation proves that Christianity much more is a moral system than it is anything else. And I don't know, I don't know how we ever address that or even change that, but that's not the point of this seven weeks. The seven weeks is to deal with the temptation. But do you can see why that's, that emphasis proves that? What, a second thing that all of the discussion and preaching and teaching about temptation emphasizes is that clearly Christians keep sinning. Right? You wouldn't need to keep preaching on temptation if Christians somehow magically stopped sinning, right? And and this is the weird kind of double speak within Christianity. On one hand, we say, once you become saved, you have now have the ability to do it. You can do it. But we need to write 9,227 billion books on temptation because for some weird reason... We don't quit doing it. And so now we just got, the reason you're not doing it is because you fall to temptation. Right? And that, and it kind of a weird, like, well, wait a minute. I thought I had the ability to stop doing it. Why do I need all these books on temptation? Well, because temptation is causing you to do it, but I don't have to do it. So what, I, I, it just seems like, like it, it, Christianity, it's really weird. We sell, we will sell something on a, on one Sunday that we will sell the complete opposite on the previous Sunday, on the next Sunday, on the following Sunday, and if we don't ever catch to go, I think we keep contradicting ourselves here. We keep contradicting ourselves, and we don't realize it. So I think this emphasis on temptation has... I think another... I could be wrong. Oh, let me just ask this as a question before I put this down as, as possibly a point. Um, when temptation comes to the minds of most when, when, the word, when the word temptation is said, what do you think most Christians think when they hear the word temptation? What do you think they connect temptation to? Okay, Satan, all right. I, I think they, it almost always is connected to sexual sin. I think it's almost always. I, I, I don't hear a lot of, uh, I don't hear a lot of women going, man, I'm struggling with the temptation not to be submissive. I don't hear a lot of men going, I'm struggling with the temptation not to love my wife as Christ loves the church. We don't usually address, we don't connect temptation to that kind of sin, right? Some may connect it to, maybe, maybe they'll say that they're struggling with the temptation to gossip. Maybe it'll be put there. But almost for, I think in the, maybe, is it just men? I think, I think, I think temptation is typically almost viewed as like a sec, something connected to sex, I, I, I'm not saying always. I'm just saying that if you typically, like, if you read books on temptation, it almost seems to always go in that direction, right? And, and typically, somewhere in a book on temptation, we know, obviously, David's sin is going to be mentioned, right? We know. Now, obviously, the temptations of Jesus will be there as well. But I just think, it just seems that when you hear the word temptation, people's like, ooh, that's that temptation to do that really like, can, can we at least agree on this? If we don't agree that it's always connected to sexual sin, because I don't know if everyone agrees with that. Can we agree with this? It's always, it seems to be much more connected to, quote unquote, bigger sins than smaller sins. 
We typically don't say... Or external sins. There we go. Maybe external sins. I don't know. I just feel that there's a certain... I just think there's a certain perception to come, that comes to mind. Now, the only way I would be able to prove this is have like everyone, t- like I didn't say a word, have everyone take a piece of paper. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you say temptation? But the only problem with that, even if you ask people that, they typically give one answer in church they wouldn't give outside of church. So you could have a hard time ever getting the right answer anyway. Because when people, Christians inside church always give the different answer than they do outside on normal. Like Jesus, right? So it's just, uh, I, I, so I, I just think that there's a wrong kind of perception about temptation. So we're going to do our best to try to, to figure this out. Now, if we just start, let's just start with trying to define the word, Right? Let's just do a little work on defining the word and reading what some people have said in regards to temptation. If we look up just like basically English dictionaries, temptation, the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Now that's interesting. They almost define temptation as what? Well, there's a word before it. Desire. Desire. That's interesting. Temptation is a desire. Typically to do something wrong, but it starts with a desire. Now, that's interesting, right? Why is that interesting? Just throwing out, because all we're going to do is today, we're just introducing the next seven weeks that we're going to be using for the podcast in here. Well, what's fascinating about calling it a desire? All right, that, that temptation starts, in, I think many Christians pr- project temptation as an external thing, right? Right? That the world offers all of these temptations, Netflix, music, Satan. Now, I'm not saying there's not an external aspect of it, but the, the external aspect has no power if there's not an internal desire. And all of my years in high school, right, Anyone offering me alcohol, it never had like the slightest impact on me. I'm like, just get, get out of my face. Like, I, because I had no internal desire. I, didn't ha- I had no internal desire to fit in, so that didn't bother me, right? Oh, they're going to think something. Who cares? Like, that didn't have, like, there's got to be an internal desire. So I wonder, do you think Christians pr- 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 understand temptation as an internal desire, or do we always see it as an external what do, you, what do you think? Do you think Christians see it more internal or external? Okay. You think most Christians see it as internal? I think most Christians see it as external. That's why we... Is what drives it. I think that's where most Christians... I mean, Christianity has, has made a... A, a killing after trying to fight and ban and boycott and silence and everything in culture because supposedly it's a source of, I'm not going to let my kids be tempted. They won't watch that. No, you, no they're tempted. Never mind. It's inside. It's inside. It's inside. That only, well, at least that's where it starts. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't an external component. I want to make sure we understand that. Clearly, there's an external component, but the external component has no power if there's not an internal desire. I want everyone to understand that. Temptation can have no power if there's no internal desire. For example, 
homosexuality can be, is of no temptation to me. Not in the slightest. I have no concern, no... It doesn't matter. You, it could be, you could show it to me for 5,000 hours. It has, it, because there's no internal anything there that it would be appealing or I would desire it. Right? I, I have gl- gluttony. Right? I don't understand that in any way, shape, or form. I have no internal desire because the second, I, whenever I eat, this is just the way I operate. That second, if I even think I'm about to feel full, like I'm just getting close to that feel, I'm stopping. I don't care how much food I waste. I don't care because I don't like that feeling of being full. I don't like that. I'm just going to stop. I'm done. I, I never, I don't know. People are like, oh, I ate too much. I'm like, how did you eat too much? Was someone shoving the food down your throat? Weren't you controlling the fork? I don't understand that. Like, it makes no sense. I'm like, no, done. Like, even though I may want the next bite, I'm not taking the next bite because I don't like that feeling. So I'll just leave my food. Now, one hour later, I may be hungry again, but I am not going, I don't like that feeling. And when people are like, oh, I ate too much. I I don't get it. When, When people are like, man, I'm so, I just, all I want to do today is sleep. I don't understand. I have no, there's no, you can give me the the best looking bed in the history of mankind. I'm not tempted to get into it because I have no internal desire. The external is of no value if there's not an internal desire. Does that make sense? Like when, 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 when someone said, if a a kid's like, well, you know, mom, it's not my fault. They, they, they kept bugging me to do it. How they only, the only reason they worked is because you had a desire to do it. So stop blaming everyone else. It was on you. You wanted to do it, right? Because it, because like if, if nobody can make me do anything unless I have a desire to fit in, unless I have a desire to have friends. Like if you got this desire, then you're pulled to it. So I I think we need to focus on the internal. Agreed? So I just think that the definition immediately, so how should we, we may formulate our own definition. You know how I love to do that, right? We take all the definitions and then we say they're all wrong, okay? And then we create one that everyone says is wrong, right? Okay, that's what almost always happens to me. I'm going to say temptation is an internal desire to do that, that which is contrary to God's word. But we're, now, most people would agree with most of that definition, but what are we emphasizing? What internal, internal desire, because all Christians would agree that it's contrary to God's word, but it's internal desire, internal desire, internal desire. Does, ever, does that make sense to everyone? All right. I just think that it's interesting that the English definition starts off with the first two words of the English definition is the desire. That's the first two words in the English definition. The desire. That, that means something to me. Look at this. Here's another, uh, translate, or another definition. Ready? Temptation is a desire, once again, all the English translations really emphasize this, do they not? To engage in a short-term, to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. That's interesting. 
But, well, we can get, there, I think there's some truth to that, but once again, it's emphasizing what? Desire, desire, desire. In the context of some religions, temptation is the inclination to sin. The inclination. What's the word inclination mean? Someone look up the word inclination. Well, let's look it up. Someone got to look up inclination. Let's make sure because I think it's going to, I think it's going to once again emphasize or prove our point that we're making. Inclination. Oh, say that again. A person's natural tendency to or urge to act or feel in a particular way. Do we have a, when it comes to temptation, what did we just discover? Not only is it a desire, so we may need to change our definition. What was my definition I first gave you? Temptation is a desire to do that which you got. Now we can say, we can add to it now. Temptation is a desire and a natural inclination to act, feel, and desire that which is contrary to God's word. Temptation is a desire and a natural inclination to act, feel, and desire that which is contrary to God's word. Now, does that, does that start changing everything dramatically? What, what are we emphasizing over and over and over? The internal aspect, the internal aspect. Where does it, so where does all the problems emerge? Inside. And why is this, why is this desire and natural inclination to, to feel, desire, and act contrary to God's word? Why is it there? Sin nature. So we start, so we, the source is the sin nature. We do not have a natural inclination, desire, feelings, actions to obey God, do we? I think that's very important, all right? Now, but listen, then I go to the curriculum for the Bible study exercise this week, right? This is, this is the, from the very beginning of the uh, curriculum on temptation this week. You ready? This is how they start. See if you see uh, uh, what you feel, maybe a dramatic change, shift in emphasis. You ready? The Christian life is not always easy. In fact, it's a war. We can all agree with that. Unfortunately, it does not always look like war. Too often, it appears on the surface like the tranquil picture of a fisherman casting his line into a cool, serene lake. But Satan is the fisherman and we're the fish. He uses the bait, now this is interesting though, of our own selfish desires, okay, at least they come back to that, to lure us into sin. We don't have to give in. We can stand strong in the face of temptation. Now, immediately they say we can. Of course, we can. Of course, we can. But, 
But immediately, what? But immediately, where do they first put the focus? On Satan, which is external. Like we're we're swimming along, and Satan's trying to get us. Well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. If Satan is using what's already in me, Satan doesn't even need to show up, right? So, in a roundabout way, you could say we're the fish. We put the bait on the hook and like it all comes from inside of us, right? Like we don't need anything. Like I don't need anything external because I'm already driven to go the wrong direction even without seeing anything. I don't even need bait pulled in. The bait, the, the bait and the hook is inside of me. Now, yes, the external sources do throw in things that do appeal to that internal problem, but even without it, Yeah. And I, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not denying the external that is there, but I'm saying even if you remove all the external, right? Still in me. And so guess what is gonna, what's going to happen? I'm still going to find myself in some kind of sin and doing the wrong thing and desiring the wrong thing. Now, the external just gives me more options, right? Yes, it may give me more options, but I want to make sure we keep it on the internal. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, uh, the the they go on to say this. We all have a favorite food. Uh, we get a whiff of it, and we're looking for a fork. It's so tempting. The urge to take a bite of cake may not necessarily be a bad thing, but we're often tempted to indulge ourselves in other ways. Temptation is the ultimate bait and switch. It promises something good, but it delivers something harmful. Okay. It, even deadly. I think, I think there's some truth to that. That's more getting into the nature of temptation. We're just trying to figure out what it is. They say, fish discover this the hard way. As a kid, I loved fishing. I'd roll up a piece of bread on a hook, place it in the water, and watch the small fish go crazy. I'd catch the smaller fish and use them as bait to catch bigger fish. It excited me to drop the bait in the water and see if I could lure a, a bass to bite. Fun for me, but not for the fish. Who lures... Now listen. Who lures us into sin. Now they say we may want to blame Satan, but the answer is a lot closer to home. Now they don't say what it is here, but I do like the fact that they are, they're starting to turn it towards us, the internal. So we, so what is our definition of sin that we've come up with here in this first like little bit of introduction? It's a desire and an inclination, a natural inclination, right? That does what? Right? It's a natural inclination, feeling, desire, and action to go against God's word. Right? Contrary to God's word, yes. All right? So you can rework that, and you can shape it the way you want, and, but you get the basic concepts there, Right? Okay, I'm not so much worried that we have the exact wording. Is we have the exact con- the concepts I want you to have is it's a desire that means it's inside. It's a natural inclination, meaning that's just how we're made up, right? Or we could say it, you know, like the uh, a lot of people love to say we were born that way, and as and it's absolutely true. We are born that way with a natural inclination, which it's a natural inclination, desire, feeling, and actions that are contrary to God's word. And that, that's because that's what we are. 
We are by our nature. Now, some Christians believe that nature has been so transformed and changed by salvation that then the natural inclination is not there. But I'm sorry, then it would be, we would be, there wouldn't be 25 billion books and sermons on temptation, right? Because why would you need a sermon on temptation when you have the natural, your natural inclination would be to do what is right and to do be good. But it's not the natural inclination because the sin nature is there. The sin nature is not changed in salvation. Can I say that again? The sin nature is not changed in salvation. And if you believe that it is, you're living a lie or you're living a lie. And you have to know deep down it hasn't. Yeah, yeah, something is wrong, right? Okay, now, listen uh, to another source, all right? This source, now, now, now this is going to move, now we've looked at the English definition, This is going to move to how the word temptation appears in the New Testament. So let's just do this really quick. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, I want to read this. Look, just type in the word temptation. Let's see, uh, let's see how many times it's used in the Old Testament and then how many times it's used in the New Testament. Let's at least establish kind of a baseline. Temptation. Now, most likely, the concept is going to show up a lot of times where the word doesn't show up. I don't think the word is used that many times. Fifteen verses and the entire Bible? Okay, see, that's not that much. Almost all, it's primarily a New Testament concept. Now, that doesn't mean that the concept is not in the Old Testament. What would that mean? That the word's not used, right? The word's not used. So what we have to do is once we establish what the word actually means, then we can go back and do what? See it even though the word is not used. And remember, that's always, that's always, that's why, just so that you know from, from a Bible study perspective, that's why sometimes you need a concordance and sometimes you need what? What's the other thing you can? Topical Bible. Because a topical Bible will show you where the topic appears, not necessarily where the word appears. If you look up temptation at a concordance, it's only going to show you what? Every verse where the word appears. Topical will show you where the topic shows up. Right? Genesis 3. Does, does the word temptation appear in Genesis 3? No, but don't you believe Eve is being tempted? Right? Cain and Abel. Does the word temptation show up? No, don't you feel in a sense Cain is being tempted? Yes. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So, where's the, let's do this. Um, where's the first time in the New Testament the word temptation or some variation of it shows up in the New Testament? Oh, that's the Old Testament. That's Old Testament. New Testament. Let's just go with New Testament. Matthew 6.13. All right, Matthew 6.13. And this is in what? What's happening here? The Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer. And, he, and it's also in the Sermon on the Mount. So, all right. Lord's Prayer. And he says, lead us not into temptation. All right. So let's, let's go to Matthew 6.13. I'm going to go to the Blue Letter Bible app. Go to the Blue Letter Bible app. All right. Let's go to Matthew 6.13. All right. And then lead us not into temptation. It is this Greek word. 
Strong's G, 3986, Pyrasmas. 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 It is used 21 times. The Greek word is used 21 times, Pyrasmas. It's translated temptation 19 times, temptations one time, and try one time. So Pyrasmas is Pyrasmas is typically translated temptation. So that's going to be easy to find. Does that make it easy for us? All right. Uh, Pyrasmas, what is Strong's definition of Pyrasmas? Pyrasmas, a putting to proof by experiment of good, experience of evil, solicitation, discipline, provocation, by implication, adversity, temptation. Are you getting kind of two, a couple of ideas there? I think you're kind of getting three ideas, don't you think? From that definition, do you, do you, can you derive three ideas from Pyrasmas? What are the three ideas that you think you can derive from that definition? So we've looked at the English translation and we created our own definition, yes? All right. Now, starting with the Greek, pyrosmos, Strong's definition, three concepts seem to be at least implied, if not explicitly stated. What are the three concepts in Strong's definition? Okay. Can we can we state it this way? Pyrosmos or temptation in the New Testament. Number one, a test. Testing. The concept of testing. Is, is that is everyone okay with that? No, no disagreements. All right. What would be second? All right. And a, a, a solicitation, invitation, it's a, what else would we, solicitation, it's a calling to do that which is wrong. Can we say it that way? All right. A testing, a calling to do that which is wrong. And what would be a third idea that derives from pyrosmos? Oh, a trial. Okay, we got three concepts in the New Testament. Pyrosmos can be a testing of some kind. We're being tested, right? Some kind of test is occurring. Some kind of solicitation at calling, inviting to evil. And then third, trial, difficulty, adversity. That's it. That's it. That, that's a little kind of, that's a little bit different, right? Isn't that kind of a little different than what we got from the English? Now, we still have one of them there, that kind of invitation, solicitation to evil. And we would argue that the solicitation from evil derives from where? And, but think about it. Well, all right. We, we'll, 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 there's, there's a lot we could go with that. Okay. I won't, I won't get into it now. All right. Then we'll go up to uh, outline of biblical usage. What's the first thing for the outline of biblical usage in the Blue Letter Bible app? An experiment, attempt, trial, proving. There's the testing concept, right? It proves, it tests. So, think about this. If Pyros Moss tells us temptation is a testing, what is being tested? 
What is being tested in temptation? We're being tested, right? Now, who is the test for? You said who? Us, right? Not for God. He already knows the end result, right? So, so for every temptation, something is going to be proven to us, right? Every, well, something is going to be demonstrated to us, and what are we going to possibly see over and over and over and over and over in the test? Failure. A lot of failure. Now, I know this goes against the Christian worldview because the Christian worldview wants to argue that more and more and more, you're going to see that you pass, you pass, you pass, you pass, you pass, you pass, which then somehow proves you're saved. But if you're even remotely honest with yourself, you're going to see that you fell in some way. Because even if you pass externally, you're going to fail internally. That's the, that's the bizarre thing about Christianity. It's like all these books about temptation seem to always forget this, right? Like, Ten paths to victory. Fifteen ways to stop. And they always make it sound like that you can just stop. But even if you give me a book and I stop every external action, right? I Every external action, if the inside is still desiring it, wanting it, I, I, I can still be guilty of it even if I never commit the act. Now, humanly speaking, societal church, everyone, I mean, obviously that's a good thing, right? Because people are not hurt, there's not scandal. But from a theological perspective, I'm no better. Like, that's a hard thing for Christians to comprehend, right? If I never commit the external act, but I'm committing it mentally, I, I avoid all the scandal and I can pat myself on the back and go, well, I'm godly and now I can condemn more people. But you're just, theologically, you're just as guilty. That's hard for people to wrap their minds around. So the test constantly proves what? I think the test constantly proves that we need something other than ourselves, right? Okay. Right. What's the second thing for outline of biblical usage? Well, the very next thing underneath it is a trial proving... Uh, the trial made of you, uh, my, uh, of you by my bodily condition, since condition served as a test to the love of the Galatians towards Paul. Uh, once again, it's still that testing concept, right? Then the next, the trial of man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, constancy. Um, and ec- enticement to sin, temptation whether arising from the desires or from the outward circumstances. Now, they mention the desires, but they immediately go to the external, Right? Let me just make it clear. Let me make it very clear. Are you ready? The external has no power without the internal. I cannot stress that enough. Right? But you know, there's some temptation that would not bother you in any way. If someone walked to my door, knocked on the door, and like, man, here's, here's you know, a pound of cocaine. I'd be like, kid, like, that's, no temp- that's not a temptation. Heroin. Meth, not, none of it. I, there's no internal desire. But there's plenty of other things that could come to the, the door and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's pretty good, right? Agreed? Oh, come on, don't act all spiritual. There would be things for you too. Yes? Okay? So, so I, I just, do what? I don't know. I was trying to hear what he said. Oh, what did you say, Steve? Oh, milk cookies. I, that's it. I'm tempted, right? There you go, Okay. So, but you, you get the idea that there are those things, agreed? So, they, so now it goes from this testing 
to this inter- back to an internal. Even though they mention the external, and we're not denying it. I'm going to get 50 emails going, I can't believe you deny the external. I'm not denying the external. It's so weird how people don't hear sometimes the things I say, okay? But I'm not denying it. I just know where we have to start. So think about it this way, right? Now, do we need to build on to our definition? So far, we have an internal desire, natural inclination, or we have a desire, natural inclination, that, that creates desires, feelings, and uh, actions that are in con- contrast or contrary to the Word of God. Yes? Okay. Now, what can we add here? Tell me if this works. Temptation is a test of our desire and natural inclination, Right? That leads to feelings and actions and desires that are contrary to God's word. In other words, the tri- temptation is a test of that, natu- that desire and that natural inclination. Those feelings, those desires, those actions. Correct? Temptation is a constant. In other words, temptation is the test. And what is it testing? That internal desire. That internal natural inclination that leads to thoughts and feelings and actions, whatever words you want to use there that are contrary to God's word. As soon as temptation comes, what, do I, what am I immediately confronted with? It, listen, the minute temptation shows up, right? Let's say something shows up at my door today. Don't, we, we don't have to go into what I, I would be tempted by. But let's say something showed up at my door today. Even if I don't do it, if I immediately feel the desire to, even if I shut the door, but all I can think about is, man, I, oh, I wish I would have done that. I, oh, man, I regret that I don't do that. I, I immediately, what's been tested? My desire and natural inclination. And what did I just discover? That my desire and natural inclination really, 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 really wanted to do that, which is, Contrary to God's word. That's a good warning sign, right? Because that'll, now I can, now can I pat myself on the back and go, well, you didn't do it. Well, I can because then it doesn't create problems or scandal. But guess what? I can sit there thinking I'm so good, but I'm about as guilty as guilty as sin inside. But we don't care about the inside guilt. All we care about is making sure we don't do the external so that we can all look good and pat ourselves on the back and condemn everyone else. That's what drives me crazy about Christianity because if we're willing to admit what's really going on the inside, we'd be like, whoo, I've got problems. I got problems. And we do have problems. And the problem is we have a sinful nature. And that sinful nature is not going away. The temptation is a constant test showing us how strong that sinful nature still is. But we just focus on whether we committed the act. So in some sense, we miss the entire point of the test. Does that make sense? They go on in the outline of biblical usage, an internal temptation to sin. They go back to the internal. Of the temptation by which the devil sought to divert Jesus, the Messiah, from his divine Aaron, right? Now, please note, Satan did try to tempt Jesus. Jesus did not sin because there was no internal, right? Now, the, 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 and, and the only time in human history, and if you think about how messed up this is, Eve did not have the internal. 
Now, she had the internal desire for food, right? But she didn't have the internal desire for sin, but yet she still fell. That meaning we are out of luck. We're out of luck. We're so out of luck. Like, completely out of luck. Like, if I wrote a book on temptation, here would be my, my introduction. Welcome to a book on temptation. You will continue to sin and you will continue to fail no matter how many times you read this book. But thank you for purchasing it because you just gave me you know, money for a new house, right? Because, but I mean, I, I mean, like, why not just be, but every book is like, you can do it! Well, the only way I can do it is I would have to remove the ex- sinful nature, but even that is not a guarantee because Eve didn't have it and she fell. So why would you think your book now is going to fix the problem? Now, from a human perspective, I may be able to give you some points to help you avoid the external. See, Christians confuse external abstaining as spiritual victory. No, that's good human. It's good to get someone to stop doing drugs. That's awesome. But spiritually speaking, that doesn't fix what's going on Internally, I cannot stress that enough. Christians have a hard time with that reality. All right. Next, of the of the condition of things or a mental state by which we are enticed to sin or to to lapse from the faith and holiness. Once again, where does it start? It's the mental. Now it's the mind. So temptation can we, we've already kind of dealt with it. I guess we could. Are we? So we we said that temptation is a test, right? Or it's a test of our desire and natural inclination that shows up in our, we can now add this, our mind, our feelings, and our actions that are contrary to God's word. Now now we can add the word mind there because in the mind is where a lot of our problems are, correct? Our mind, as a man thinketh, so is he. Now, what we have a tendency to do is to say, if I think it, I will do it. But from a biblical perspective, if I think it, it doesn't matter if I do it. Because I'm it. <laughs> do, you, do you not understand how crazy that is? If, I th- I, if a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, thinketh he is, I am that in Practice as far as God's word is concerned. In other words, and I'm, I'm considered that even if I've never committed the action. That's just hard to wrap. If I, if I look at a woman with lust, I'm guilty of adultery whether I've ever come a million miles of touching the person. Whether I've ever done anything. Meaning, there's millions of adulterers sitting in every church this Sunday. So, but we can all pat ourselves on the back if we haven't done something in action. But the reality, and I'm not saying we should go do the action, but the reality is we should be much more willing to admit what we are and be humbled by it. But starting somehow we're not humbled by it, we become self-righteous. And I thank thee, God, that I'm not like that person. I thank thee, God, that I'm not an adulterer. Yes, you are. I thank thee, God, that I'm not an extortioner. Yes, you are. Because you've probably done it internally. I'm not a thief. You, 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 you're not a murderer. You've probably killed so many people inside that you can't even keep track. You've taken all the serial killers together and put them to shame. 
You say, I would never think that. Yeah, whatever, okay? Just let me hang out with you for about 30 minutes and I'll make you want to kill me, okay? All right? I'll prove to you that it's easy to make it happen, right? You probably want to kill your kids a couple of times. Okay? All right? Obviously, you don't want to actually do so, but you can become so angry that you want to, right? Does that make sense? All right. Next, adversity, afflict. Now, please, here's the next part. Adversity, affliction, trouble, sent by God and serving to test or prove one's character, faith, or holiness. Temptation, trial, and then it says rebellion against God, by which uh, uh, his power and justice are, as it were, put to proof and challenged to show themselves. All right, now, that's how we can tempt God. That's a whole different subject. We, we may get into that. So we got to add another aspect here. Because we got three aspects. We got the testing. Temptation is a test. Now we got to add something. You ready? Temptation is a test. And we're going we're gonna to put these separate. Or trial. Right? Yes? I know, how do we want to do this? Yeah, we're going to go temptation is a test. Or a trial. That demonstrates our desire and natural inclinations, right? Lead to thoughts, feelings, and actions that are in co- contrast or co- uh, are, are against God's word or in conflict with God's word. Now, we put trial and test as separate, right? The test can occur in any way. Just the temptation itself is a test. Everybody understands that? The temptation itself is the test. Where does the trial come in? Well, temptation itself is a test, but a trial can be the t- a test as well, right? So we're going to call it, a, temptation is a test, and we're going to put, and, and how do we want to put Temptation is a test and a trial, and here's the reason we're going to put the two together, or separate them. The test is temptation itself. Everybody understand that? Because whether I commit the sin or not, the temptation shows me my desire and natural inclination for it. Right? Does that make sense? The trial comes into play because the trial can serve as a test as well. Yeah, any kind of adversity, pain, suffering. Right? So this is what happens. Temptation itself is a test. Right? Temptation is a test. And it can be a trial that exposes our desire and natural inclination that is contrary to God in thought, action, and feelings. Right? So, here's what happens. A trial occurs. Right? Something bad happens. You go home, your house is burnt to the ground. Right? Now, that's just a trial. It's not, an, it's not calling you to sin. But now what are you confronted with? How you're going to respond to it. And that response becomes a source of temptation or a test. Because what is it going to reveal? It's going to reveal your desire and your, and your natural inclination. And what is our desire and natural inclination in many cases to do in the face of a trial? 
Well, it shows maybe a lack of trust in God, grumbling, complaining, anger at God, bitter at God. Or it may ch- you may decide to fix your trial by doing that which is... Uh, Israel did this constant times, right? Hey, you got this army trying to, to kill you? Do not make. Do not make an alliance. Do not make a covenant with these people to protect you. You trust in me. And what would Israel do? Make an alliance, right? That, 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 was a tri- that was a trial. That was a trial, right? But it became a, it was a trial that served as a test, meaning it was, it's a temptation. Do you see how I'm trying to separate those? <clears throat> because I want to make sure you see this. The, temptation is a test in and of itself. Because it's going to show you what's there. The trial is a part of temptation because that trial is once again going to test you to see what you're going to do in the face of it. Now, even, again, even if you respond externally to a trial, you still have to see it as testing you because internally you may not be responding so well. Externally, you may say all the right words. Where internally, you're filled with worry, fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness. You are, you are ticked off beyond all comprehension. Does that make sense? Now, we have to flesh that, that definition out a little bit more, right? Remember, Bible study exercise, I love to try to just I throw it out there for you to work on and you try to figure it out. For those online, they'll, they'll, they'll know what to do. Just keep fleshing it out until we can get this the way we want it, right? By the end of the seven weeks, we're going to have a good one. So what we have right now is that temptation is a test and a trial, right? I want to make those separate. Everybody understand why? Does everybody understand why I'm separating them? Because temptation by itself, temptation, just any temptation to sin, that's not necessarily a trial, is it? That's separate. The definition gives us these three elements, right? So temptation is a test because the very temptation itself, when I am tempted to sin, that's testing me because even if I don't do it, it's going to expose my nature, my inclination, my desire, which is going to tell me that I have failed in some way. Okay, so temptation is a test, but it is also a trial because by that trial, it serves again as a test, right? But I want to separate them because a trial is not a call to do evil. Everybody understand that? If my house burns down, it's not telling me to go steal someone else's house. It's not telling me to start selling drugs. It's not telling me to do any of that, right? It's just, it's a bad thing that happens. What I do with it will expose. So both the test and the trial exposes the desire and natural inclination that leads to wrong thinking, feeling, and action that is contrary to God's word. Does everybody see why I put those two that way? All right. I want it, I want it to make sense. Now, for this first week of Bible study, and this for those online who participate, go to James chapter 1. I, because of time, I can't read the other part that I wanted to read. But here is the text according to the curriculum, right? The curriculum, well, just signed me out. Thank you very much for doing that and signing me out. Okay, got to log back in. 
Maybe if I could spell my spell right. All right. Give me one second. All right. The curriculum wants us to look at James 1 for the entire week and wants us to focus on verses 13 to 18. All right. Everybody ready? Okay. Now, first thing, they want us to go to 13, but I want us to go back to 2, verse 2. Right? James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers... Temptation, stop right there. Diverse temptation, different kinds of temptations. Let's look up the Greek word for temptations in James 1, 2. Ah, the NIV says trials. Now we're, get, we're, getting, we're getting somewhere, right? We're getting somewhere. Let's go to James 1. Or James, yeah, James chapter 1. That's verse 3, correct? Okay. Yeah, some are going to not uh, put the word uh, temptation there. Oh, guess what Greek word it is? Parasmos, right? All right, same Greek word. So immediately we realize what? That temptation here, even some of the translators don't know what to do. we call this a temptation or do we call it a trial, right? Do we call it a test? The NIV calls it a what? A trial. You see why my definition has... Temptation is a test and a trial. So this is say count it all joy. I don't know if I would count it all joy if I'm falling into temptation. This seems to be, they they want us to say count it all joy. What what, what happens? When we fall into diverse trials, right? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So the idea here is that the trial is a good thing, or the testing is a good thing. Now you could say, in some way, maybe temptation is a good... The King James translators go with the word temptation. Maybe with our definition, we could say we count it all joy. Why? Why, do I, why would I count it joy? Let's say we go with temptation that embraces... you embraces all three concepts, does it not? So let's say, why can I count it joy that I confront temptation as a, tri- as a test and as a trial? Because it exposes what? My desire, my natural inclination, which is in direct conflict with God in its thoughts and its feelings and its actions. Why is that a good thing? Why do we count that joy? Because it's exposed to us. We see it. Right? This is the way it's supposed to work in school. This is the way it's supposed to work in school. Now, I know it doesn't work this way because the way teachers operate and the way the school system operates. But the way it's supposed to work is I give someone a test, a history test, and they fail it. It shouldn't be a bad thing. But the school's like, well, if you don't get your grade point average, you're going to be held back. Because everything is about just some random achievement score that you have to make to make the state feel happy so they can get the tax money. And then, it, it, and then parents are like, I want my kid to be an A student. It's all about performance. So much of education in America is a performance-based system, is it not? You don't make a good grade, you're going to be held back. It's performance, 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 performance. I wish we would burn that system to the ground. 
Because all you do then is you've got to figure out how to pass the test to meet the performance. It's not about learning. If you take a test and you get a 20, you should be like, I count it all joy because now you know what you need, what you need to go. And so it should be a good thing. Now, obviously it could be a bad thing because some people could do what? Some people say, oh, I got a 20. I don't really care. Right? Okay, well, then that's not a good thing. But that's on the person. The school turns it into drama. We have to contact your parents. And then some kids get abused. And it's just like, oh, man. Like, it's like a football game. It's about winning and losing. I can't. And then you got Val Victorian, Salutatorian, who's the best. It's so performance-based. Nobody actually cares about learning anything. Right? Nobody cares about learning. The The goal should be, what went wrong? What do I need to learn? Man, I, I need to go back. Okay, see, we were studying, you know, Revolutionary War. We were studying the French-Indian War. What, whatever, whatever, whatever you're studying in history, the, the American, you know, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever, you, the Jim Crow laws or civil rights or whatever you want to do, the, you know, um, Industrial Revolution, whatever aspects of history, you can go like, I'm going to go back and double down on this so that I can know it. But it doesn't lead to that, right? So get, so Christians, how do we see temptation even in the Christian world? How do we see sin and temptation in the Christian world? Don't we see it as a performance-based system? Same way. You're not a good Christian. You keep sinning. No, you're going to be humiliated. You didn't make an A. It's not like, well, hey, 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 hey. No, 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 no. You sinned. Your temp- that temptation exposed it? Count it all joy. You get to see now where you are spiritually. You've been humbled a little bit. It's, it's a good thing. Don't feel bad, but we, we can't, we've got to destroy people. We've got to humiliate people. We've got to, we've got to make it a scandal. And we've got to make sure that it, how about we're like, wow, man, you got some work to do. But hey, guess what? Mine may, may not have been exposed, but I got work to do. But we, we, we've got to look at, oh, oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Me, like, I'm the Val Victorian of Christianity. They're the loser. They're, they're in the dumb class. Even the public school does that garbage. I hate that with every ounce of my being. That destroys education. One, it destroys education because now, look, once, once a kid realizes he's never going to be the valedictorian, what does that lead to? Well, I don't care about academics. Why do I care? I'm just, I'll just go get a job doing something else. I'm not going to pursue school because I'm never going to be good at it. I mean, who sticks around playing sports once you realize you're not good at it? Right? You're never going to be that good. You're just going. I'm going. You're at some point. You're going to move on, right? You're going to stay in band if you if you can't carry a note. You know, either on your instrument or your voice. You're going to. You're, you're, I doubt you're going to be hanging out in choir. Well, school creates such an environment where people are like, I'm just going to drop out. Well, Christianity kind of creates the same thing. If you realize you're never going to pull it off, you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to do. It. I'm just going to be quiet. Just going to do my. I'm going to believe in God, but I'm going to stand afar off. Because I'm never going to be as good as them, and I obviously keep sinning. Or you ever have to start pretending. I, it, I think, I, may, I typically, we translate, 
Count it all joy if you fall into diverse temptation. We typically translate as to if we fall into different trials. But pyrosmos, we've already identified, it brings all three concepts together, does it not? The test, the trial, the enticement to sin. All three are present. Correct? So I can count it all joy, whether it's a test, whether it's in a trial, or whether it's an enticement to sin, because no matter what, it's going to do what? Show me where I am, what I need, and we know one thing it should do. Drive me straight to Christ. Right? And not only that, it, it, it has these other benefits. What does it say? It's going, to produce, uh, it's going to produce endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may, buy, uh, may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. The idea is to lead to maturity. How do you grow up? How do you, how do you become better in school? By knowing what you don't know. What have I always said? The goal of education is to do what? To, as, my, as a teacher said, you come to college to learn how stupid you are. If you don't learn how stupid you are, you're not, you're not learning. Right? That's the goal. I try to do that here. I try to show you what you don't know. Well, what's supposed to happen is it's supposed to do what? Motivate you to do something about it. Now, sometimes people don't take that, right? And you know why some people don't take that? You know why sometimes people won't answer a question when I offer a question in church? Why do you think they won't answer a question? Yeah, they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to expose what they don't. Expose what you don't know. That's where we can work together. To know it. And that leads to maturity. Right? You're not going to move forward in your Christian life until you realize where you need to move forward in. Correct? If I, if I, if I go out today to run a mile or two miles and I time it, I'm going to realize, man, my time is no more, no close to what it was when I was in the military. Right? So I would know, okay, I'm going to have to do what? Got to work on it. I should count that joy. Yes? Now, but in our system, we're almost taught that we don't count a joy. We're embarrassed. We're humiliated. We're filled. We're, we're, and, and teachers do that nonsense. Like they're going to put a big F on the page and then drop it so everyone can see it. How dare you do that to a student? That's just humiliation. That doesn't lead to anything other than the student wanting to give up. Arrogant garbage of some teachers to do that. That, that doesn't help anybody. They should be like, hey, guys, we've got a problem here. We've got to fix it. Not, not just the one student, all of us. Right? But we, we, we've created such a performance based that now Christians can't go, man, I'm struggling with sin. We're like, ooh, you're struggling with sin. Now it's gossip and slander. We're going to let the whole world know that that person committed a sin and we're going to destroy and we're going to humiliate and we're going to kick when they're down. Instead of saying, whoa, okay. That doesn't mean we excuse the problem, right? When I find out you guys don't know something, I don't just go, well, okay, you're good to go, do I? 
I go back and try to figure out what went wrong. Like Sunday school, I don't know what went wrong. So I'm going to go home and try to figure out what went wrong. I'm like, I thought we understood this about law and gospel. Something went wrong. I got to fix it. All right? That's not a bad thing. I mean, it's a bad thing that it went wrong, but it's, a, but I, I, it's now an opportunity to do what? Fix it. Temptation is an opportunity for you to see, I got some problems. And you're not going to be able to fix it completely. That's already the bizarre part of Christianity. But you're going to know, man, your only hope is what? The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Now, we're going to have to stop. For the rest of the week, I need everyone uh, who's going to participate. 13 to 18, 13 to 18, spend your life there this week. All right, we'll stop. All right. So I just think we we just kind of I just want you to know what we did with that James counted all joy. We just went against pretty much every church and every commentary on, in existence because they reduced that to trials. I think it's the whole pyrosmos. I think it's the whole of it. It's the test. It's the trial. It's the temptation. All right, Lord God, we come before you this afternoon. I pray that somehow this would be beneficial and helpful. And I pray that as we focus and struggle through this concept over the next seven weeks, Lord, you'll give us great clarity and uh, just an understanding of this and maybe change our perspective greatly on this very important subject. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said...